Good morning, everybody. Now, this morning's going to be a little different. I'm not going to have a, I'm not going to do a presentation, but I want to lead us into a congregational conversation. So everybody have a bulletin? All right, take it out. And these are my notes. You have to have, oh, you have to got it. You have to have this. These are my notes, and because it's a conversation, these are your notes. These are our notes. Okay? Everybody have it? Okay, now, I'm going to really mess with you this morning, okay? I'm going I'm to mess with your equilibrium. I'm going to mess with your circle of comfort. Because we're going to have a conversation, and because my ears got so messed up in Vietnam, I won't be able to hear you. So, I want everybody to stand, please. I told you I was going to mess with you. Not you. You sit down. You guys sit down. <laughs> this is the back row. So, if you, if you are front row brethren or back row Baptist, if you're Baptist, sit here. But everybody move forward because we're going to have a conversation, okay? All right. So Reg wanted me to share my nickname for Warsaw community. And... Um, on the screen is the cover of my binder. Now, how, how did I stumble on this? I was just being lazy. I didn't want to spell W-A-R-S-A-W-C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y, so I just abbreviated it. And instead of W-A-R-S-A-W, I just went W-A-R. And instead of C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y, I just went C-O-M-M. Warcom. Wow. Now, <laughs> I looked at that and I went, that'll, that'll work. Warcom. We are at war. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. As Tristan said, we're in a spiritual war, so we fight differently, and our communication is prayer. So you can see a couple of soldiers there in physical war talking, but you can see the other soldier of Christ taking the knee, as Tristan called us to do in our spiritual battle. So Reg wanted me to share that with you. How many of you are not in a small group? Let me see your hands. Okay, you got to get into a small group. Um, for this reason. Let me give you three reasons. Number one, um, our brothers and sisters for the first 300 years, starting in the book of Acts, chronicling you know, the first century church, and then the 203, they, they never met like this. Uh, our brothers and sisters for 300 years met in small groups. They, they met in homes. And, um, and that's true today in the world. Uh, many places in the world today uh, they don't have the luxury of this. So I have worshipped in home groups, house groups, 
In many places, they're called the underground church. In Cuba, I've been in many home groups, house groups in Vietnam, house groups, underground churches. But here's, here's what's really important. Uh, there are, in the New Testament, the, the phrase one another is used about 100 times in 97 different passages. And the best place to one another each other is in a smaller group where we can talk to each other um, uh, and be accountable to each other. My wife and I have been in a small group for six years, same group. We have, we're family. We have grown together. And as a group, we have adopted a small group in Cuba. And we're, um, so we're going to war there, spiritual war. All right, let's take our notes out of your bulletin, the chart. Your notes, my notes, our notes. As you can see the title, uh, The Mission of Christ and the Mission of the Body of Christ. So let me, um, let me, let me ask you a question. By the way, these notes are what I handed out at my, at, in my Bible class at Lakeland Christian Academy on Friday. So, I'm not trying to teach, treat you as high school students. I'm trying to treat my high school students with, uh, with uh, strong uh, adult-like theology. So let's begin with the title. Uh, the mission of Christ and the mission of the body of Christ. So, what? Uh, not counting the thes and the ands and the ofs, okay? Just eliminate those words. What two words... What words appear twice in that, that long title? Anybody, talk to me. Mission and Christ. Now, you heard from Reg two weeks ago that Christ has two bodies. Body number one, body number two. And as you can see in the title here, you can see the two bodily, bodies. There's the mission of Christ... And then there's the mission of the body of Christ, his second mission. So, uh, number one, there on your chart, Christ. When you read about Christ in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you, he is never referred to as the body of Christ. That, that would be sort of dumb because he was there. Of course, it's his body. So, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read uh, Jesus or Jesus Christ or Christ. But then when you go to the epistles, when you go to the letters of Paul to the churches in the, in the first century world, Paul refers to Christ's church as the body of Christ. Are you with me? So in the Gospels, we have Christ in the epistles, the, the, the letters of Paul, we have the body of Christ. So, Christ has two bodies. This gets complicated. This is, this is, this is actually freeing stuff. Let's go to number two. Why did Christ come from heaven to earth? We celebrate it at Christmas time. Does anybody know John 1.1? Can you quote John 1.1? Anybody out loud, real loud. 
and the word was God. Now, John 1.14, can you say that out loud? And the word became what? Flesh. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time. Technically, that's called the incarnation, meaning God is spirit, and in a point of time, God fleshed himself, incarnated himself, became a person in the Gospels. Now, look at number two. Jesus came here for one reason, and that is his mission. When I was in Vietnam, um, we, um, we always were on a mission. Let me, let me give you an example. Let's say we were preparing to go out, and um, it was, let's say it was going to be a nighttime excursion. And uh, we're getting ready, we're checking our radio frequencies, we're putting on our makeup. Um, and the commanding officer would say, tonight, guys, you're going out on a missions. Now, the missions that we have designed for you is, is strategic. And uh, we want you to come back, so you take care of each other, you, you cover each other, okay? At, at tonight, as you're out on your missions, okay, we'll move out. 0100, 1 o'clock in the morning. And we would turn to each other and say, we're going out on, on a what? He said we're going out on a missions. What are we going out on? I don't know. I've never been on a missions before. What did we hear? Tonight, men, you're going out on a what? On a mission. I wish we could stick a stick of dynamite between the N and the S and blow the S to smithereens, Jesus came to earth not on a missions, but on a mission. And his mission can be summarized in one word, and that is to purchase. So let me give you, but we, but we use the word missions all the time, right? You usually hear the word with an S. So let me give you a definition of, um, of missions. And maybe you can write this um, uh, above your title there. M missions, with an S, represents what we do to fulfill our mission. Missions, with an S, is the activity. It's what we do to fulfill our mission. So Jesus, on number two, was on a mission. And I suppose you could say his, what he did, his missions, two activities, two transactions. And that is, number one, to destroy the works of the devil in 1 John 3, 8. We won't take the time to look that up, but it says the Son of Man appeared for this reason, to destroy the works of the devil. And then number two was to pay the price. To pay the price. Do you have your Bibles? Let's turn to Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Luke 19, verse 10. 
and let's look at the mission of Jesus. And we'll look at this just word for word. Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man, Jesus, came. He came. He came from heaven to earth. That's number one. The incarnation, the Christmas celebration. And the Son of Man came to seek. To seek, to look for, to seek out and to save the lost. And so, on number two, the mission of Jesus was to purchase, and his, his mission was to, was to seek and, and to save uh, the lost. While he was on earth, number three, Jesus gave what is called the great prediction. Let's turn there, Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is uh, taking some downtime with his disciples up in Caesarea Philippi. It's a beautiful part of Israel. Um, it's the headwaters of the Sea of Galilee. And then the Sea of Galilee empties into the Jordan River that goes down to the Dead Sea. So the question is, where does the water in the Sea of Galilee come from? It comes from meltwater of snow. Did you know that there is snow in Israel? How would they know the verse, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as what? Snow. How, how do Jews, how do people in Israel know about snow? Because they have ski resorts in Israel. You can go snowboarding in Israel. They have beautiful ski resorts up on Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon goes up to 14,000 feet, and that Mount Hermon packs out with snow and, and, and Israelis ski up there, and then that snow melts, comes down to Caesarea Philippi, and then goes into the Sea of Galilee and then begins its journey through the Jordan River down to uh, the Dead Sea. So in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi. He's with his, with his guys. Verse 13 says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? So perhaps they were just sitting around having a campfire. It's crackling. Maybe they were doing some s'mores, just chilling, taking some time down, like Reg is taking some time off, just regrouping. And, and they're sitting around the campfire, and Jesus said, hey, guys, let me ask you a question. What's the chatter out in the community about me? What are people saying about me? Who are people saying I am? And um, verse 14, and they said, well, <clears throat> some say you're John the Baptist. Really? Yeah. And others say you're Elijah. And other people are saying you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Maybe Jesus paused, looked at them, and, and said, guys, let me ask you a question. You've been with me. Let me ask you a question. 
Who do you think I am? Fork in the road. Who do you think I am? That's a question we should always ask ourselves, even today. Who is Jesus? In verse 16, Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him in verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, hey, Peter, you didn't figure out this on your own. This was revealed to you spiritually. And in verse 18, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. That's the great prediction of Jesus. I will build my church. Jesus is predicting that he's going to build his church. Not you will build my church, or not I will build your church, or not you will build your church. The great prediction, Jesus said, I will build my church. And on number three there, then we go to the Great Commission. Reg has already covered that two weeks ago. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts all record what is called the Great Commission, and that is go. Go out to all the nations. Go and make disciples of all the nations around this globe. So, Jesus came to earth on a mission. The mission was to purchase, was to destroy. Number two was to pay. Pay what? Pay the wage. What wage? Well, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is what? Death. For all have sinned. Do you know what the definition of all is? All means all, and that's all that all means, right? Everybody, it's all-encompassing. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is separation from God, death. And Jesus came on a mission, number two, to destroy the works of the devil and to pay the price, to pay the wage with his death. And then on number three, we have Jesus' farewell words, starting in John chapter 13 through verse 17. These farewell words um, are called the upper room discourse, because as you know, being grace brethren, the way we celebrate the upper room experience, John chapter 13, our communion service, they were in a room, and so This is the night before Jesus died, and they're in a room, upper room, somewhere in Jerusalem, and what we call the communion service, and and the conversation begins, and then they leave that upper room, and they're transitioning over to the Mount of Olives, so they go outside the, the walls of the city, they go down into the Kedron Valley, and they start up the Mount of Olives to a garden called Gethsemane. And all the while, Jesus is, the night before he died, he's having this ongoing back and forth conversation with his guys, recorded in these chapters 14 through 17 of John. And it was a very confusing conversation for his guys. 
Because Jesus said, hey, guys, listen, um, I, got some, I got some news for you. I'm leaving you. And they just freaked. Now, John records it when Jesus said in John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. <laughs> are, you, are you kidding? <laughs> These guys were free. Peter said, what, what are you talking about? We dropped everything. We left our profession. We left our family. We followed you. And now what do you mean you're leaving? And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I, I'm not leaving. I'm coming. I, I'm not going to leave you with orphans. I'm going I'm to come back. But, but, it, but it's not going to be me. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And they were probably going, what? What's the Holy Spirit? And so the night before Jesus died, in that conversation uh, in the upper room, there on, on number three, Jesus' farewell words, they were really bewildered. They were just like frustrated. They were scared, maybe angry when Peter said, we, what? We dropped everything to follow you. But what Jesus was saying, he said, listen, it's bad news right now, but it's going to get better. I have to leave you in order to go back home to heaven and then to send the Holy Spirit to come down to you, and there I will be in you. Right now, guys, you are with me and I am with you. The preposition with. But when I go home to heaven and I send the Holy Spirit, I will no longer be with you or you with me. I will be in you and you will be in me. And this is the game changer of human history, was the birth of the church on number six. And so Jesus on number five, his mission is accomplished. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain, his blood washed it white as snow. He ascended to heaven, and look at the diagonal line from number five to number six. Then he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit on number six, that was the birth of what is called the body of Christ, the second body of Christ. His, his first body, his physical body is now in heaven, sitting on his throne of authority, which I covered on Memorial Day in a chair here. He's sitting there far above Satan. You're you're seated with him. Same seat, dangling feet. And the body of Christ in number six is birthed through the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the mission of the body of Christ today can be summarized with one word, and that is proclaim on number seven. Well, proclaim what? Proclaim what Jesus did on his mission. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil and paid the price. And that's what we are to proclaim to the nations. That's the great commission. Destroyed and paid. It's good news. Let's go to number eight. On mission. If our mission is to proclaim then on mission means we proclaim. Now notice the geography and the words evangelism and missions. This is all found in Acts chapter eight, 1, verse 8. And you shall be, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, let's unpack this. Jerusalem, that's where you live. 
That, that's, uh, that's Warsaw. That's Winona Lake. That's wherever you live. That's your neighborhood. Judea. That's the surrounding community. That would be, let's say, Kosciuszko County. Now, Samaria, the Samaritans were a group of people who were different from the Jews. The Samaritans had their own ethnicity. They had their own culture. They had their own religion. And yet they were in close proximity. They were between, they were in the middle of Israel between Judea and the southern part and the ten northern tribes in between was Samaria, the Samaritans. And so today, what is our Samaria? It is the people of other languages and cultures that are local to us in our community, the nations. Um, let me give you some examples of uh, Samaritans. Uh, the Gujarati people of India are called the hotel people. They manage or own about 40% of mid-sized hotels in the United States. And two of our hotels here in Warsaw are owned by the Gujarati people of India. There aren't many Gujarati believers. They're called an unreached people group. So we have these, in our Samaria, our, the Samaritans among us, those who have a different language and culture, for example, if you want to meet Vietnamese, go to a nail salon. If the Gujarati people are called the hotel people, the Vietnamese people are called the nail salon people. Every nail salon in our community has Vietnamese. From coast to coast, they've got the entire industry nailed down. Um, if you go to Martin's, um, to the sushi chefs, those guys are from the country of Burma, and they're Burmese. But if you go to Kroger, those sushi chefs are also from the country of Burma, but they're not Burmese. They are the Mon people, the M-O-N the Moan people don't like the Burmese because the Burmese have always been persecuting the Moan back in Burma. And so you have same country, Burma. You've got Burmese at Martins, but you have the Moan people at Kroger. And so these are examples of Samaria, the Samaritans, those who speak a different language and have a different culture that are living among us. And then we have the ends of the earth. Now, notice underneath those words, it says evangelism, Jerusalem, evangelism, Judea, evangelism. Evangelism is where you share the gospel to people of your own language and culture. But you can see missions underneath Samaria and the ends of the earth, and that is because missions is defined as sharing the gospel to, with people who have a different culture or a different language. And so can we do evangelism in our, in our Jerusalem and Judea, Winona Lake, Warsaw, uh, Kosciuszko County? Yes, because the predominant language is English. Can we do missions here in our local community? Absolutely. We have unreached people groups living right here in our community. You see them as you go to, well, we have people from Thailand here. We have people from India here. We have people from all over the world uh, in our community. And then we have the ends of the earth. 
So I want to take you to a, 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 a website called the Joshua Project. Can we put that on the screen? This is the repository of information concerning the Great Commission. This is the web, the homepage, joshuaproject.net. Now, what I want to do is I want to focus in on where up in the upper left where it says global summary. Let's, let's show that. Here's a global summary, an overview of the people groups of the world. There are... 17,406 people groups in the world. Now, what does that mean? The world is made up, how many continents? Seven, right? Unless you step outside the United States and then they count five. So when I was in Argentina, I was doing this and I had this globe and I said, so on this globe, we have seven continents and, and, and everybody just started laughing because they only teach five continents. By the way, how many, how many rings in the Olympic emblem? Five, right. But anyway, we count seven. Now, what is a continent? It's dirt, rocks, trees, mountains, deserts. That's, that's what a continent is. It's, it's just, it's dirt. But living on the seven continents are the countries of the world. Now, a country is, is, a, is a geopolitical entity. Geo meaning geography. Every country's got a border, and every country has a political system. So you have seven continents, and living on the seven continents, you have 238 countries. In alphabetical order, be from Afghanistan to Zimbabwe, from A to Z. Seven continents, 238 countries, but living inside the borders of the 238 countries, you have the 17,406 people groups. Now, today we call them people groups. In the Bible, they're called nations. What is a nation? What is a people group? It's a group of people with their own language and their own culture. 17,000. So the Great Commission, when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all, what's the word? Nations, not, not continents. Listen, I think Jesus just shakes his head, just going, jeez, are you kidding me? When we pray, Lord, we pray for Africa. Africa needs you, Lord. Africa needs to hear the gospel. And he was going, don't pray for dirt. Africa is just a continent. So, Lord, we pray, for, uh, we pray for the Central African Republic. You know where that is, right? Central African Republic. It is like dead center on the continent of Africa, C-A-R. It's landlocked. Inside the country called the Central African Republic, we have scores of different languages and cultures. Those are called nations. And so when we pray for, oh Lord, we pray for Nigeria. Nigeria needs the gospel. And the Lord probably sits there and goes, no, no, no. I, I can't answer that prayer. Because inside Nigeria are 505 different nations. How about Mexico? 
If you go to Mexico and you want to share the gospel, what language are you going to have to learn? Spanish, right? If you learn Spanish and go to Mexico, you will be able to communicate with about 60% of the population of Mexico. The remaining 40% speak about 260 other languages. Yeah, those are the nations. Now, notice what it says on this summary. Nations, ethno-linguistic, ethnicity, language, ethno-linguistic, groups of people, people groups, 17,000. Unreached people groups, 7,000. So the percent of unreached people groups is 42%. What's unreached means? It means that they can't hear the gospel. It's not a head count of how many have heard and how many have not heard the gospel. Unreached means the opportunity to hear. It's a measurement of the opportunity to hear. And so if you are a part of an unreached people group, you are not going to hear the gospel. You can't hear the gospel. There aren't any Christians. There's no church. And look at this, 42%, just under half of the nations of the world have yet to be penetrated with the gospel. And so let's say that you all are the, um, um, in Mali, West Africa, uh, there's a group of people called um, the bozos. Seriously, a bunch of bozos live in Mali, West Africa. And there's another group of people called the doggone people. So what happens if you have a marriage between... What happens if you have a marriage between... What happens if you have an, a cross-cultural marriage between these two groups? What do you end up with? A doggone bozo, right? So let's say you're all a bunch of bozos, right? And uh, you can't hear the gospel unless someone... Josh, stand up. You're a missionary. Go over here. And you're going to have to park yourself in the middle of them. Let's put you right. Oh, this will, yes, excuse me. It's, it's a little awkward. Missions is tough. It's, it's, it's tough. It's cross-cultural. That's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. The unreached people groups, we now have to go to them. And we have a lot of work to do. To do. All right, let's conclude. Number nine. Our mission, have we accomplished it? No. Why? 42%. We have a lot of work to do. So I want you to take a pen or pencil under number nine. I want you to write two words. The first word is why. Why? Why? The second word is what? Under mission. Why? These are the two fundamental questions we have to ask ourselves today. In my class at Lakeland, I am just pounding the students. In fact, it's going to be a test question. What are the two fundamental questions facing the church today? Number one, why? Why is the church still on the earth? Why are we here? Why haven't we been taken home to our eternal home? Jesus said, if I go, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. How come we're not home yet? Why are we still here? Because our mission has not been accomplished. It's still ongoing. And then number two, the second question is what? What are we supposed to be doing? 
sharing the gospel. Where? Begin where you live. In your Jerusalem, Kosciuszko County, Judea. If you, go to, if you like ethnic food, you go into a Mexican restaurant, you're entering Mexico. You, you love their food. And to the ends of the earth. Let me conclude with this. I'm going to give you an assignment. Reg shared with you two weeks ago that there's four kinds of, uh, there are three kinds of mission fields locally. You have what is called momentary fields. You're like a clerk. You're only with them for a moment. Uh, Starbucks or a gr grocery. Uh, you have periodic fields. That's where you see people periodically, maybe once a week, once a month, once a quarter. And then ongoing fields. That's the guy on the shop floor where you work, where you live, where you go to school. Do you realize that you can, you can share God in a momentary field in seven seconds? It goes like this. Hey, would you like to hear some good news? I have never been turned down. Never. No. So, would you like to hear some good news? No. <laughs> would you like to hear some good news? Yeah. God loves you. Now, that takes five seconds. If you want to add some seconds and make it from five to seven, God loves you and he knows your name. That's good news. Our Indiana House of Representatives is named Craig Snow, 18th District. Craig and I were prayer partners for years. And one day, Craig said, I, I don't, how do you do it? I said, I just go high, <laughs> Craig, I just go high. How are you? Would you like to hear some good news? Yeah, God loves you. He said, I don't think I can do that. And I said, no, 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 you can do that. It's not, a, it's not whether you can or can't, it's whether you will or won't. And I said, okay, Craig, he's our house of representative <laughs> now. I said, Craig, I'm going to give you an assignment. Sometime this afternoon, I want you to break the sound barrier, and I want you to tell someone, plan, I want you to plant a seed. And at 3 o'clock that afternoon, Craig called me up. Representative Craig Snow, CEO of Sylvia's Insurance, and this is what he said. Jay, I did it. <laughs> I told someone that God loves them. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. Um, that we would um, see others and bridge and bond into their lives. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.